A few years ago, I got a mysterious package delivered to my doorstep. When I opened the box, I found it was a bottle of pills labeled Viagra. Are you sure you didn't order it? Well, since I so rarely suffer from erectile dysfunction. I mean, ED is pretty common. I I don't think I have the right equipment for that. Welcome to How Hacks Happen, where we explore and explain cybercrimes and other shenanigans in the world of cybersecurity. One of the things we get asked about a lot here at How Hacks Happen is about credit card theft. How can your credit card number be stolen while the actual card is still in your wallet? So here, we'll talk about how this happens and what you can do about it. My co-host for this episode is Carrie. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. So we're going to talk about credit cards tonight, Carrie. Mm, oh, good. All right. How to use them? <laughs> <laughs> How to buy things with them? <laughs> That's perhaps a topic for another time. Okay. talk now about how to keep your credit card from being stolen from you or what to do if it has been. So I think we can all agree that having your credit card stolen is annoying. Yes. Most of us have been there. Your wallet or purse is stolen and you have to call all your credit card companies and cancel the cards and wait for the new ones to arrive before you can get on with your life. And it is a pain. It is. It is a huge pain. So this has happened to you. Amen. All right. Also, if you make automatic payments off your credit card to your electric bill or other bills, like I do with pretty much all my bills, do you do this? I do not. I'm sorry, but I just am too much of a control freak. I do not do auto payments. Especially living in New Orleans, I don't trust the utilities. They charge you too much, and I know that (laughs) they're going to charge me $900 like they did last month, and I'm not paying it automatically, I tell you. Oh, okay. I can see that. But it just freaking happened. Wow. Yeah. It's taken me a month to get this shit resolved, and it's still not completely resolved. So if I do auto pay, and they screw up, and they charge my account the amount that they say I owe... Right, you're never going to get that money back. Mm-mm. Or wow. not for a long-ass while. So I don't do auto pay unless it's a fixed amount that I know every month is going to be a fixed amount. Like my AT&T is 50 bucks a month, period. That I'll do auto pay. But does it, is it auto pay to a credit card? That's my debit card, yes. Right. We'll talk about debit cards okay. later. But okay. every month I have Netflix. Mm-hmm. My Netflix, too, is auto pay on my regular credit card, my other credit card. Okay, so you do have an automatic payment on your credit card. My bad. Rewind. Okay. (laughs) Your wallet or purse is stolen, and you have to call all your credit card companies and cancel the cards and wait for the new ones to arrive before you can get on with your life, and it is a pain. It is. It is a huge pain. And if you make automatic payments to things like, say, your Netflix, you have to go to all these websites and reset all the payments to the new card when you finally get it. And if you miss resetting any of these payments, you might be charged a late fee, all because somebody stuck their hand in your pocket and pulled your credit cards off. Ooh, I hate pickpockets. I don't know who doesn't. It's even more annoying when it all happens virtually. The piece of plastic itself is still in your possession, but somebody else, someone you don't know, has been using your credit card to buy stuff. Mm -mm. 
At least when the physical card is stolen, you know it right away, right? Yeah, you see it gone. Yeah. But when it's done virtually, you won't notice unless the bank sends you a fraud alert or you check your credit card statement and you find a suspicious charge. Oh, this type of credit card theft, by the way, is called a, quote, card not present theft. But how does it happen? This type of theft, this card not present theft, is incredibly frustrating. It is really difficult to catch these people. Like, suppose someone in Nashville, Tennessee, is using your credit card number, that credit card that is still in your wallet, to buy 16 buckets of chicken at the chicken shack on Route 24. So you get a fraud alert, and you know it's going down. So you call the Nashville police, but if you do, pretty sure they'll just laugh at you. They're not going to drive down to the chicken shack with their sirens blazing to catch somebody putting $80 worth of wings on your card. For one thing, by the time they get there, those people will be long gone. So, like, if they knew me, they'd know I'm a vegan, and they knew I would never charge anything at chicken shack. Sorry. Do you think the police would care about that? Well, they would know it wasn't me. Yeah, but you know, there was that time you almost bought chicken for your cat. Remember that? I do buy chicken for my cat. But the police want to catch these people as much as anyone, right? Uh, Yeah, but, you know, realize they have violent criminals and drug dealers and homicide and child abuse and all that to deal with. Your whining about your 80 bucks is a joke compared to that, especially since you weren't physically assaulted. And even if they did catch your chicken shack thieves in the act, it's a long road to getting them convicted. And then the thieves would maybe get only a few months in jail, if anything. How's that possible? It's just not considered to be that big a deal. It's about as serious as something like shoplifting. Maybe not even as bad as shoplifting. In a virtual credit card theft, there's no physical theft, no violence involved, no weapons, no drugs, nobody got hurt. I got hurt. It's only 80 bucks. It's not even that much money. But I know it feels like such a violation, doesn't it? But they stole the chicken. They did. They stole the chicken. And the scary thing with this kind of credit card theft, you have no idea who they are, where they are, or what they're doing. It's not even about the 80 bucks. It's like, how did they get my credit card number in the first place? And how many other times has this happened and I didn't notice? And how can I keep it from happening again? A few years ago, I got a mysterious package delivered to my doorstep. I hadn't ordered anything in a while, so I was curious. When I opened the box, I found it was a bottle of pills labeled Viagra. I checked the mailing label and sure enough, It had been sent to me. On a hunch, I checked my credit card statement, and there it was, a charge to the Viagra company, a charge I did not make. I managed to return the stuff and get a refund. Are you sure you didn't order it? Well, since I so rarely suffer from erectile dysfunction. I mean, ED is pretty common. I don't think I have the right equipment for that. There was an episode of Sex in the City where Samantha took Viagra <laughs> So, you know, and according to that, it was like a good thing. Just saying. I'll have to do further research Mm -hmm. on this matter. But anyway, I've returned it. I don't have it anymore. Oh, well. Anyway, this happening, I kind of traced it back to this time that I ordered some children's books online. uh, Dr. Seuss books, actually. 
from a website that, you know, in retrospect, it looked kind of dodgy. You know, the price was really low and the website looked really crappy and had bad fonts and colors. And So bad fonts are a sign of a scam website? Well, it's a red flag. You know, it just looks unprofessional, like, like they threw it together really quickly. Okay, but the most important question is, did you ever get the Dr. Seuss books? <laughs> I did, actually. Okay. The books did show up. But I'm pretty sure the Viagra people got my credit card number from the dodgy Dr. Seuss website. Okay. Well, you know, at least both of them shipped me some stuff. You know, Something to be said for that. But then I had another strange thing happen, this time with The Gap, where I used to buy a lot of my clothes. It's you. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> it's you. You're the one who's getting the strange packages. It's you. It's me. It must it's be you. just me. It's just I'm you. I'm the only person this is happening to. <laughs> In one month, a $60 charge from The Gap showed up on my credit card statement. It was a charge for clothes I did not buy. Hmm. I filed a claim for a refund and I got one, but it took hours and it was super annoying. And then I changed my credit card number and everything was fine. But the strangest thing is, all of this happened while my credit card was still in my wallet. Hmm. My purse hadn't been stolen. I hadn't been flashing my credit card around anywhere. So what happened? Credit card fraud costs merchants and payment card issuers billions of dollars every year. And it's not just businesses that are affected. It's frustrating for consumers when you have to file a claim and ask for a new card number. And for businesses, it's not just the straight up cost of refunds. There are other less obvious costs too. Do tell. Well, after that incident with my credit card at The Gap, for example, I have never bought anything there since. I just realized that the other day when I was writing about this. You know, I bought clothes at The Gap regularly for decades. But the whole thing with the credit card just left a bad taste in my mouth. So while The Gap probably doesn't miss my, you know, 300 bucks a year, right? if you add it up to thousands of people with that same bad taste in their mouths, it probably does have an impact on the company. Same thing with the big Target breach of 2013, where the hackers got 40 million credit card numbers. Before the breach, I didn't really shop at Target very often, you know, maybe twice a year. But since the breach seven years ago, I've avoided Target without really thinking about it. Like, given a choice of where to shop, I just pass by the Target and go, eh, maybe another time, without really thinking about why. Again, this kind of attitude can add up to a lot of consumers, all of us passing on by Target when before we might have gone in. And if their sales go down, maybe they have to lay people off. So the consequences can be far-reaching. So while we can measure the cost of breaches in terms of fraudulent sales that have to be refunded, there's that additional cost of mistrust of people who just don't want to shop there anymore. It's kind of a big deal. I mean, has that happened to you with any of the companies that had breaches? You know, I've read about the breaches, but honestly, since I'm not as security-minded as you, I probably just went ahead with life as normal. You kept shopping? I kept shopping. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm sure they appreciate that. It's good for them, but obviously from what we're reading, that's so great for me. <laughs> well, it's probably fine because probably after a breach, they're going to be even more diligent and trying to be secure and trying to win consumers' trust back. 
But I do know that uh, Target, I don't have an exact figure, but I know they suffered a big slump in sales right after the breach. But anyway, with it having such far-reaching effects, it really is a big deal. And one of the worst things is, you can, there's not a lot you can do about try to keep your credit card from being stolen. You can monitor your transactions and you can ask for a new card when you need one, but that's about it. I don't like the sound of that. Well, I didn't think you would. <laughs> there's a couple of other things, but we'll talk about that more later. So, how does your credit card get stolen when it's still in your wallet? Well, there are actually a bunch of ways that it can happen, and it's really hard to know exactly which method was used. And one of the most basic ones, this is called skimming. This is when someone puts a fake cover on a credit card machine or an ATM, on the actual physical machine, on the part where you slide your card, and it has circuitry in it that reads the card. Like a fake cover? Yeah. It looks exactly like the machine. It's the same shape as the credit card machine or the ATM place where you put your card in. But it has electronics hidden inside it that will capture your credit card information as soon as you slide your card in. But they work off the magnetic strip on the credit card. So if you only have chip cards, you know, the kind where you slide in just the end of it, you're not going to be a victim to that. So it seems like it would be really easy to detect that, though. Well... Some of them are really good. I mean, they look exactly like the cover of the thing, but they're really easy to detect if you just sort of put your thumb on the corner of the casing and just kind of press on it. And if there's a skimmer on top, it will jiggle a little. The cover will jiggle. That's it? You just jiggle the cover? Yep. Don't be afraid to jiggle that cover. Don't be embarrassed. Just press your thumb down and jiggle that cover. Jiggle that cover. That, that should totally be a jingle. Oh, oh, yes. Here we go. Jiggle that cover, jiggle that cover, real or fake, it's one or the other. If you jiggle that cover, jiggle that cover, find out if it's real or fake. Hey, (laughs) works for me, man. So if you ever see me at an ATM, that's what I'm doing. I'm sure I look like a crazy person, but I don't care. I stick my thumb on it and give it a shove, and they've got me on camera there, smiling into the camera, push, 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 trying to jiggle. So far, no jiggling has happened, which is good. My ATM card has never been compromised. Mine either, knock on wood. Yeah? I consider myself lucky. Good. Oh, and then now there is also shimming, which is different from skimming in that it works on the chip cards. It's harder to detect, but it's also a lot less common. That hacker takes a little strip of plastic, really, really tiny, and it jams it into the end of the card reader where you slide in your card. So if your card gets kind of stuck, that's a sign that maybe there is one of these little shimming strips in there. So stuck like you can't pull it back out? No, it's just harder to pull out. Okay. But it's not a very reliable detection method. But more importantly, these methods, the skimming and the shimming, they aren't as common as the news would have you believe. Like if you Google those two terms, you'll find all kinds of news reports about, oh, skimming is on the rise and all this stuff. But the reason they like to put that on the news is because there's some physical thing that they can actually show, whereas other kinds of hacking, there's nothing to show. But it's actually kind of low tech in the sense that the hacker has to show up to the business 
the one that has the credit card swiper or the ATM and they have to put the cover on or they have to shove the little shim in there. And then they have to come back and retrieve it to get the information or it might be communicating through Bluetooth or something, but you have to be pretty close to get a Bluetooth signal. And there's only so many machines they can do in a day and a lot of these places have cameras and they might get caught or at least they're gonna get seen on camera, so it's risky. So I think we should change our jingle to skimming and shimming, skimming and shimming. (laughs) I think that's a great idea. (laughs) So it's risky, and they can only get so many credit cards. Yeah. It's a lot easier for hackers to just steal credit cards the old-fashioned way, off the internet. That's the preferred method these days, and the one that is also the hardest to detect. Why is that? Well, to understand why, we need to take a look back at how credit cards have evolved over the years. The risks have changed a lot over time. Back when we consumers started using credit cards, there were no electronic machines to record the transaction. At first, the merchants would just write down the credit card number and send the transaction to the bank later. And then we had those imprinter machines. You remember the ones I'm talking about? Oh yeah, the slide back and forth clicky things that you click clack. Mm-hmm. Also known as the knuckle buster <laughs> or a zip zap machine. You put the credit card in and then put this receipt paper on top of it and then move the slide over it and that would imprint the card information on these three pieces of paper. Then the merchant would write in the amount. The customer would sign it and get one copy, and the merchant kept another copy, and they'd send the last one to the bank. Now, it never occurred to me back then, but just that kind of thing, that put your card number right on a piece of paper that a lot of people could see. Like anyone who worked at the store where you just bought your stuff. You know, in retrospect, that wasn't very secure, but... We were more trustworthy then. People were trustworthy then. There weren't as many sneaky people out trying to steal your shit. I don't know. I think there probably were just as many sneaky people. They were just doing different sneaky things. They hadn't really cottoned on to how to make money off of this. Fair. Like, like it was yeah, it was just too hard. And it was it would have been in the 1980s, for example. I had heard stories. This is just anecdotes from, from people I knew about their credit card number being stolen. They'd go out to a restaurant and they use a credit card to pay for their meal. And the next day there would be a charge from some bar that wasn't them. But they could trace it back to a, a waiter or a waitress at the restaurant. And back then it was really easy to trace back where the theft came from because most of it was local. Mm-hmm. A person had to have your card in their hand to copy the number or at least have a receipt where the number was imprinted. And then the thief would use the card somewhere nearby maybe even in the same town. They didn't have the physical card, so the bartender would kind of have to be in on it, too. It's like, oh, I don't have my card, but I can write down my credit card number for you. Like, eh, okay. Yeah, and the bartender would have to write in that number. Yeah. So they have to kind of be in on it, or they might at least remember that. So it was it was really easy to trace it back. And, and back then, most people I knew had only one credit card, and if they did, they used it maybe a couple of times a month, usually locally. And there was no internet, and you didn't really give your credit card over the phone to buy stuff back then. So 
With only using it at a couple of places, it's easy to trace it back to a specific place where the number might have been stolen and even visit the business in person where the card was fraudulently used and be like, hey, did somebody do something funny last night? So even though it was easy to steal credit card numbers, it was also easy to track down the thief. Yeah, and maybe that's what kept it kind of safer. Like, okay, think of the waiter or waitress who went to the bar and they spent, I don't know, a hundred bucks treating their friends to drinks. Now they've committed a crime for what, a hundred bucks? Right. Not something that would attract thieves or people who were regularly going to be thieves. Like that right. wait- waiter or waitress was, would have been fired right, right after that. And for what? I, and I don't have any specific reference on this. It's just what I heard from people back then, just personal stories that people told me. So did you have a credit card then? In the 1980s, yes, I had one. And I only used it for big purchases. Like, I remember buying a stereo with it for a big whopping $400. That was a lot of money back then. It was. I planned for that purchase yep. for months. Did you have a credit card in the 80s? I did. Um, my mom taught us to kind of like start slow to build up our credit. So we got like a gas station credit card and then you'd buy a tank of gas and then pay it off that month, all $12. <laughs> you know, to build up your credit. So, yeah, I had, like, a couple of smaller, like, gas station and store credit cards, like Sears and JCPenney. Yeah, yeah, I had a Sears card, too. I mm-hmm. forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, wait a minute. Was it a store card, though? You could only use it there? You could only use it there, but if you paid off your bill every month back then, that was part of your credit score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I don't really do those anymore, mm-hmm. do they? But also back then, it never occurred to me to use my credit card for everyday purchases like, you know, buying groceries or lunch or drinks after work. I'm not even sure most of those places even accepted credit cards. Yeah, we used cash and checks a lot more back then. And let me tell you, (laughs) I was one of the last dinosaurs to give up writing checks. Really? I was. I brought my (laughs) checkbook freaking everywhere and people behind me in line would be like, because it took like an extra 30 seconds. I was a pariah. (laughs) Yeah, I still write checks, but only like, you know, I I wrote a check to my plumber the other day. like Right, for something like that, yeah. Once or twice a month, but not like it used to Uh -uh. be. I used to write checks for everything. Yeah, and also you get an actual paycheck, like a physical piece of paper. And you had to go deposit it. And you had to make sure you get to the bank to deposit the paycheck and get cash on Friday before the bank closed. Mm -hmm. yeah, there was just a lot more checks. It's like monthly thing. You had your rent, your electric bill, your phone bill. Um, oh, do you remember using checks for plane tickets? Oh, yeah. Go to a travel mm-hmm. agent, you give them a check, and mm-hmm. they mail you a plane ticket. Exactly. <laughs> and you waited with bated breath for the mail to come. And that plane ticket, that piece of paper, you had to bring that to the mm-hmm. airport or you could not get on exactly. the plane. And all the stories of like, oh, we got halfway to the airport and realized yep. we left the plane tickets on top of the TV or something. Right. Back when the TV had a flat surface on the top <laughs> where you could actually... That you could put stuff on. Exactly all, like, things on. An inch wide. Yeah. What the hell? It doesn't happen anymore. I forgot it on top of the TV. That's just not something somebody says no, anymore. No, that's funny. Oh, my God. Well, there are a few key differences now. Like one is that now people just have more credit cards. And another is that more places take credit cards and they're often more convenient than paying cash. And then of course there's the internet and using our credit cards online. My dad used to make this joke now. We're talking early nineties. We'd go someplace and he'd ask the cashier, do you take cash? Because it was starting to become <laughs> such a thing to use your credit card for everything. I've actually said that to a couple people recently, though, because 
kind of well, recently know. it's yeah there's some places that won't right won't take cash right like if you want to track your purchases they're way better than cash yeah and you don't have to carry around a little notebook to write down your purchases i do that you call me a geek <laughs> that is so geeky that's called being a control freak i have a little itty bitty post-it note on the back of my credit card or debit card and whenever i use it <laughs> don't just don't laugh at me <laughs> Until like a few months ago, I actually still balanced my checkbook every month. And Mercedes is like, what are you doing? The banks are much better at this shit now. Just look at your balance. And, you know, she's right. Well, that used to be the advice for taking control of your finances. You write everything down. Like Felix Unger in The Odd Couple. (laughs) He used to get like a sinus thing and he'd go. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who don't know, Google. What the hell is his name? Felix Unger. (laughs) Aside from... Most people not having to write things down on little tiny post-it notes anymore. Another difference now is that people have more credit. The average American now has four credit cards with an average credit limit around $30,000 total. $30,000. That's like 400 stereos? No. (laughs) Well, in the case of my $400 stereo, it's only 75 stereos. But who's counting? Now, my credit limit on that card, though, and back in the 80s, was something like $1,500. So there's right. maybe three stereos and some change. So if a thief stole it, that's the max they could charge. And the really huge difference nowadays is that we have online shopping and all kinds of online subscriptions, and I can pay all my bills with credit cards. And as the use of credit cards has evolved like this, it gave rise to new standards that are designed to protect us. But these standards can only do so much. We all want convenience, too. We don't want to have to type in our credit card number every time we buy something online. So there's this balance between this convenience and a higher level of security, and this is where things get tricky. I have a feeling I'm not going to like the next part. We hope you've been enjoying this podcast and maybe learning a few things along the way. We offer this podcast for free, but it does cost money to produce it. Please support us by subscribing or following or rating us or by becoming a patron at patreon.com. The link is in our show notes. And if you learned anything, please tell your friends. So what happened was, in 2004, all the major credit card companies got together. Companies like Visa and MasterCard, American Express and Discover. And they put together this thing called the PCIDSS, Payment Card Industry Data Security Standards. And the standards pertain to how merchants should store and transmit credit card data. Store and transmit. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are two different things. So let's, let's take a look at these. We're going to start with transmitting. When you buy something online, your credit card information is transmitted through the internet and to the company's server. This transmission is supposed to be encrypted, and for most reputable companies, it is. That part's actually pretty easy, and there are a lot of solutions for that that a business can use to make that happen. Does that have to do with the little lock icon on the browser? Yes. 
The lock tells you not only that the company is who they say they are, but also that any data you submit to them through the website will be encrypted before it's transmitted. This includes your credit card number. And that's safe. Well, it is. I mean, it's supposed to be. The main problem is some companies don't encrypt stuff. Most companies are very good about it when it comes to orders through browsers. They all have the SSL, which means they get that lock icon next to their name in the browser. But for the big target breach of 2013, for example, the hackers put the malware on the point-of-sale device, like where people swipe their cards. And so the malware would send the credit card information to the hackers live and in person at the same time the information was sent to Target for processing. And sometimes people use their debit cards and the hackers also got their PIN. Yep. So how do you guard against that? Well, you can't keep hackers from hacking, but you can do other things about it, which I'll get to later. Okay, so that's transmission. What about storage? Right. That's the second type of data that the standard addresses, stored data. The standard says companies shouldn't store credit card data unless there's a legitimate business-related reason to do so. Like if you buy something online, the website might ask you, do you want to save your credit card with us to make future purchases easier? Like, you've seen that, right? Mm, oh, yeah. I, I always say no. Very good. Oh, thank you, darling. <laughs> if you say yes, this is considered a legit reason for the business to store your credit card info. Now, when you give this permission... They can store the account number, your name, and the expiration date, but they are not supposed to store the security code with it. Yeah, that's why you have to type that in every time, even if the card pops up automatically for you. So they don't store that. What is it, the CVV? That's right. They don't. Or they shouldn't. And if you don't ask for your card to be stored, they shouldn't be storing anything. But in these big breaches where credit card numbers are stolen, that's what the hackers are getting. They're stealing lists of credit cards that have been stored because the consumers agreed to let the company store them. And these stored credit cards, that's what they're after, or at least one of the things they look for. All right, but you'd think that the company storing your credit card would try to do that as securely as possible if they want you to keep doing business with them. You would think. One would think. The PCI DSS standard is designed to make things be stored as safely as possible. And the standard includes things like encrypt any databases of credit card information, don't use default passwords on your equipment, use antivirus software, and test your system for security on a regular basis. These all sound like good ideas, but do the companies actually do these things? Not always. Red bastards. How shocking to you, I'm sure. <laughs> Lack of encryption of credit card data is one of the biggies. Mm -hmm. If companies would just do that. It would stop an enormous amount of credit card theft. But according to one of the references I used for this, the Verizon 2020 Payment Security Report, there are still a large percentage of businesses who are not doing this. And on top of that, these companies aren't supposed to store your CVV or your PIN, but some of them do. And there's also data from the magnetic strip on the card, which they're not supposed to store. But, but some, some of them, them do. do. Yes, it's the same old story. Ugh. Now, if a hacker gets all that stuff, they can make new fake cards with this information and sell them to people, like actual physical plastic cards. Sell them to people who don't care that they're stealing your money. They make physical cards. Yes. Same number, same magnetic strip, same CBV. Ooh, let's go shopping. Uh. I know. 
It's frustrating. But what are you going to do? Call up the security department of whatever store you shop at and say, excuse me, are you storing my magnetic strip data? I don't know that you'd get an answer. A couple hundred people a day should call these companies and ask them specifically. Are you storing, are my, you storing my magnetic strip data? data? I think they might get the point. Maybe that would change things. Oh my God, we should start a movement. It's a campaign. A Facebook page. Plus, some of the PCI DSS standards are kind of vague and they leave it up to the company to figure out how to implement it. For example, it says to use antivirus software. That sounds great, right? But there's many different kinds of antivirus software. And in the case of Target, they were using antivirus software, but it was this free software that's designed for consumers. It had no ability to scan a big system to find malware. Okay, so Target, with all their millions of dollars, were skimpy on the antivirus software. I, this is the kind of thing that just it just boggles my mind. In fact, I, excuse me, I'm gonna get angry now. <clears throat> she threw up a little in her mouth. I'm sorry, I'm okay now. So, <laughs> Target was using this free consumer software called Malware Bytes. Now, this is actually very good software, and there's a pro version of this software, but Target was using the free consumer version, which you're not supposed to even do if you're a business. Now. If you personally don't have any malware software on your computer, this free version of Malwarebytes is is a great choice. It's very good, and I actually have recommended it to a lot of people. But a large corporation like Target really should have been using a business solution so that they could do scans for malware. So how do you know if a company that you do business with is keeping your credit card information safe? (sighs) The eternal question. The simple answer is you can't. You can't. You can't. There's no way to know. Like I said, what are you going to do? Call him up? Tell me, do you encrypt your credit card database? Who's going to answer that question for you? So what do you do? There's not much you can do. Wait a minute. In all this, you still haven't explained how someone steals your credit card when it's still in your wallet. Well, now that you have a little bit of the picture of how credit card information is transmitted and stored, the answer is pretty straightforward. What happens is a company transmits your credit card number because you just swiped it or entered it in a browser, and maybe the company stores it. A hacker might catch the card at the point of transmission or at the point where it's stored. After it's stored, they can hack a system and find a list of credit card numbers. And if they're not encrypted, then they have them. Another thing that can happen is that the people you give your credit card to, they might take it and do things with it. Like what used to happen with people with before online shopping or uh, where they eat at a restaurant, one of the wait staff would steal the credit card number. And also what happened with the Dr. Seuss book company. So how do we catch them? How do we stop it? Well, you kind of can't. It's like playing whack-a-mole. You know, like what happened with the Dr. Seuss books. By the time I figured out what happened, the website was gone. It wasn't even there anymore. And who knows who they were or where they went. The hackers, how do you catch them? 
the police are not going down to the chicken shack on Route 24 to arrest them. So just about the only thing you can do is protect yourself from being affected personally, from your credit cards, your personal credit cards being affected. All right. And how does one do that? Well, the number one way to protect yourself is to monitor your card transactions. Just monitor and monitor and then monitor some more. That's it? Yep. Sorry. Wish I had a magical solution, but there isn't one. You know, with all the convenience that credit cards bring to us, there is a price. The price we pay is the work that it takes to stay on top of it. I mean, credit cards and debit cards have made our lives so much easier in a lot of ways. Like, we talked about rushing to the bank on Friday to get some cash. You don't have to do that anymore. You can just get cash anytime you want at the ATM. You can use your credit card anytime you want to buy stuff. Yeah, waiting for the banks to open and crap, that sucked. Yeah, it did suck. But now we have ATMs. And you got to realize that with the convenience of these electronic payment systems, with the internet on top of it, it can't just all be, you know, all fabulous sunshine and roses and happiness. There has to be a price, and this is it. So just monitoring everything all the time. Yep, that's the number one thing. Look at your credit card statement at minimum once a month. I check mine every couple of weeks, sometimes every week. If you see a charge that looks off, query it. If it's false, report it and have the credit card company send you a new card number. Okay. So watch my credit card statements. Yes. Assume your credit card might be stolen at any time. Or what I do is actually is I assume my cards have already been stolen because it probably will be one day. And just check your credit card statements frequently. The second thing you can do is never ever Use your debit card for purchases. Use your debit card at the ATM only and preferably the bank's ATM. And we talked about this where I don't often have a choice. Why couldn't you just use your regular credit card? I don't need money. It's a pain in the part. Then I gotta pay something else. So you do have a choice. You just don't want to do it because you but like I want to-, to use my debit. I want the choice of using my debit card as a credit card. Well, you have that choice. But just monitor your yes, debit card. I do. That I, that I do. Okay, I do, good, I, do, good, I, do, good. I do do that. You know, one of the things about not using your debit card as a credit card is is it's never going to get stored in a database somewhere mm-hmm. that a hacker can steal. And credit cards have limits, whereas your debit card, the limit is the amount of money in your bank account. Mm-hmm. So I guarantee my credit card limit is way more than my debit limit. That's actually a good thing. So you have a bank account that you keep just a little bit of money mm-hmm, yeah. in. Okay, that's different. That's okay. not so bad. Okay. I was thinking it was the account that has like all your money. Oh, in. no, 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 no. Okay. But a lot of people operate that way. That okay. They have a checking account that has whatever money they have. I could buy got. a yacht on my credit card. I could buy a few burritos on my debit card. Okay, so <laughs> we're talking big difference here. Aren't there risks even with an ATM? Can't they be hacked too? Well, yeah, there's a risk with any electronic system. But at least if there is a breach with the bank's ATM, you have good grounds to dispute any false transactions because the breach was on their equipment, on their premises. They'll probably bend over backwards to fix the problem and keep you as a customer. All right. So debit card for ATM only. 
ideally, although it sounds like you have a good setup where your debit card, if somebody did get a hold of your debit card, they're just going to buy some burritos. The third thing you can do is just use cash whenever you can, like we did in the old days. Mm -hmm. The less you use your credit card, the less risk there is. Whenever you buy something for like under 20 bucks, like coffee or something, just pay cash. And when you go to buy groceries or if you go out locally to a restaurant or bar, just pay cash. This also helps the merchants since they don't have to pay that processing fee. It's like, I think, 3% on every credit card transaction. So you're supporting your local businesses when you pay cash. I know it's a little harder now because of COVID and a lot of us are ordering food online. But if you do go to the store, try to pay with cash. Okay, I can do that. And the fourth thing is, let me guess, jiggling the card reader. Yes, you can do that too. Jiggle that cover. Jiggle that cover, jiggle that cover. Real or fake, it's one or the other. If you jiggle that cover, jiggle that cover. Don't let your credit hover jiggle that cover. Woo! We hope you have enjoyed this episode of How Hacks Happen. Now for the credits. My co-host is Carrie Pacuco. Hello there, darlings. And audio editing is by Impish8. I'm Michelle Bousquet, the geekiest lover of all things cyber geeky on Earth. That is the God's honest truth. <laughs> all right. Please support us by subscribing or following or rating us or by becoming a patron at patreon.com. The link is in our show notes. And if you learned anything, please tell your friends. This is How Hacks Happen, signing off.